Welcome to Crossroads Connection. This is a show all about having conversations surrounding life, ministry, and culture. I want to say a quick thank you to our friends at The Truth Network for airing this program. Well, hey, everybody, we are here with another episode of our Crossroads Connection show. I am Tyler. I'm joined by Jamie, our show producer. Jamie, how are hey. you? Hey, Tyler, I'm doing good. Yeah, Thanks. we're really excited to be here. And we got our host, Andy George, the one and only Andy. You excited to be here? I am very, <laughs> very, as always, excited to be here. Thank you, Jamie, for being here. Thank you to Thanks. Tyler. Yeah, man, anytime. This is one of the yeah. favorite parts of my week. It, it really, is. It really it is. is. It's the it highlight is. of the week for us, and I hope that it's a highlight for everybody listening right now as well. Yeah, man. So, Andy, one word to describe our show today. One word. Marriage <laughs> is what brings us together. Uh, one word. Oh, be, my goodness. Marriage. Marriage mm-hmm. with a W. Okay. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's right. So, we're talking about marriage today. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. We are talking about marriage, and I am excited that we've got Brooke Powers with the centerpiece in here that we are going to be interviewing in just a little bit towards the end of the broadcast, but I am excited about this. Yes, we are talking about marriage. We're also doing something really exciting this year in 2020 at Crossroads Fellowship. Tell, tell people more about that. Absolutely. We are in the year of transformation, and I, I am in love with this theme for our church and our church people, and honestly, I'm in love with it for what I know it's going to do for the surrounding area, for the Raleigh Triangle area, what it's going to do for families, what it's going to do in schools and neighborhoods, and on and on it goes. It's just all about transformation. And what that really means and looks like for us is that we are walking through the Bible from Genesis all the way through Revelation, starting January 1st through the end of the year. And we're doing it as a church. And what's even more exciting for me is that on Sundays, we are actually preaching out of what we all just read that week. So it is a it is a it's a powerful powerful experience when you allow the word of God to really transform us instead of just, you know, preaching messages that are good and topical and whatever. There's nothing wrong with any of those. There's something real when we get into scripture and just allow scripture to transform who we are. And that's I'm real real excited about that for this year. In fact, if you want information wherever you're listening from, you don't have to be at Crossroads to do this, but I encourage you go to crossroads.org/2020. That's crossroads.org slash 2020. And you can actually download the PDF of our Bible reading plan. There's links to the apps there uh, that you can actually, we're using the Bible app as a church, as well as links to the sermon so you can catch up. Mm -hmm. It's just a fantastic way for all of our church, our kids ministry, students, young adults, our adult classes, everybody's on board with it and real excited. So wherever you are, I want to encourage you to jump in on this. No matter what time of year you're listening to this, just jump in and join us. It's a great time for us to be doing a year of transformation. Absolutely, Yeah, it really is. In fact, we have a clip from a recent sermon. Let's go ahead and listen to that real quick, and then we can discuss it. But there's a theme that is woven through here that is so important, and that theme is holiness. You cannot get away from God calling his people to holiness. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to identify a main verse, and this is a main verse. It's in Leviticus 19.2. And then we're going to unpack a couple different areas. It says this, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And so there you have it. You have this amazing verse in scripture. You see it elsewhere woven in scripture that God is calling his people. And I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, he's calling us today in the same way that we serve a holy God and he wants his people to come to him and to be holy like he's holy. He's drawn a line in the sand. He said, this is how you used to live and this is how I want you to live. And it's going to require holiness from us. And I'm just going to tell you, here's the problem with holiness. 
This is the problem. The big problem with holiness and what God is calling us to do is that we want to define what holiness means. That's the problem. The problem is that you and I want to decide how to define holiness. And I'm just telling you, we got a book. We just saw the overview of 66 books right here in this Bible that you and I have. And let me just tell you, God's already defined holiness for us. He's already defined what is good and what is not good, what is sinful and what is not sinful. He's already called us and showed us exactly how we're supposed to live our life. The problem is not that we don't know or the problem is that God hasn't showed us. The problem is that you and I just don't want to do it. That's the problem. The problem is that you and I want to define, well, it's not that bad. What's holiness mean to you? Does holiness actually mean what it means when it says that it means you're set apart, that you're different, that you're not like everybody else, that God's called you and I to live a standard of life that's different than everybody else? And it's true, yes, but what's happened is that we in our culture, just like the Israelites, we're so ingrained in our culture, we're so ingrained with what's politically correct and what's culturally acceptable that I'm telling you, we've lost sight of holiness. We've lost sight of what really holiness is actually meant to be. And so I want to walk for just a few minutes today on what does it mean to actually be holy? What does it mean for you and I? How do we actually do this and see this happening? Number one is this. Pursuing holiness means that I have to face my own sins first. This is critical. This is the starting point. Just like it's easy to pick out everybody else's flaws, it's easy to point out everybody else's sins. To look at everybody else and say, here's all the stuff you're doing wrong. It's not so easy to do that for ourselves. Yeah, so there you go. That was a, I loved preaching that sermon on holiness. The title of that message was The Pursuit of Holiness out of Leviticus. And the main verse, as you heard, there was Leviticus 19.2, which says to speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Yeah, man, it was really good. I think a lot of people at our church were really pleased and surprised. Maybe they didn't really enjoy reading through Leviticus that much, but I think they really enjoyed your message kind of unpacking what can we take away from this. And I, about halfway through that clip, you mentioned a, a big problem that we have by That's trying right. to live and, and walk in holiness. Can you right. walk back through that again? Yeah. There, you know, the problem with holiness is simply this, that we want to define and we have defined holiness instead of honestly just letting the Bible and what God has already told us that's already been defined for us. We don't have to try to redefine holiness and redefine what is good and what is bad, what is clean, what is unclean, what is sinful, you know, what is pure, what is unsinful. And we have a tendency in our culture to really allow culture to dictate and define holiness. And what that's done is it's really watered down the holiness message, in my opinion. And I think that it's very important to know that holiness doesn't mean that we're better than anybody else. It doesn't mean that we look down on anybody else. It doesn't mean we walk around with this air of pride and righteousness about us. It really means that we are just allowing God's word to dictate for us what exactly holiness needs to be and then live by that. So, you know, to answer your question uh, in a short way is that we've defined holiness instead of allowing God to define, to define holiness. Hmm. Yeah, well then, what is God's definition of holiness? Yeah, so let me tell you four things real quickly that I think holiness means. The first thing is that holiness means that I have to face my own sins first. You know, in that passage as we were reading, and it's a wonderful passage where Moses and Aaron are then praying for the people and then going to the people. And what you see is that Aaron actually 
gives a sin offering first for himself and he prays for himself first, make sure that he himself is right, then he's able to address the people. And I was reminded of the verse in scripture where it talks about how we want to pick out the speck of dust in somebody else's eye mm-hmm. and we got a plank coming out of our own eye and it calls us hypocrites for doing that and says, you know, if you worry about the plank in your eye first, then you can better see to help the person get the speck out of their eye. And I think we got that backwards. I think we, we are so... All right, let's just face it. I mean, how it's easy to point out sins in everybody else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure is. Yeah. And sometimes it might yeah. even be fun. But, you know, it, it's a lot easier for me to find the flaws in you, Tyler, or you, Jamie, than to have to look at myself yeah. in the mirror and deal with my own stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that what holiness means going off of Leviticus is that we've got to deal with our own sins first. The second thing that I think is the oh, I think this is just so powerful is that holiness means that I bless people and not curse them. Uh, we see Aaron doing this once again in Leviticus. He comes out from the tent with Moses, and it says that they bless the people. Now, these are the same people that God wanted to kill. These are the same people that Moses is frustrated with. This is right after they built the golden calf. I mean, it's all still in this time frame. So they're dealing with what God calls stiff-necked people, and yet Moses and Aaron come out And they decide to bless them instead of curse them. And I just wonder what would happen as a result of us pursuing holiness if we decide to bless people instead of curse them. So like today, we're talking, as I said, about marriage. Mm. Uh, So what would happen if we decided to bless our marriage instead of curse it? Uh, instead of calling it over, calling it wonderful, or, or calling hopeful, and instead of you know cursing our kids or our job or our workplace or school, instead we go in the mindset of blessing it. Uh, same thing with our bosses. So instead of cursing our bosses behind their backs, what would mm-hmm. happen if we just bless them? And I think there's something to that that God is calling us to bless people and not to curse them. The third, the third way and the third meaning of holiness is that we have to be able to distinguish between clean and unclean. That was a command to Moses, uh, to Aaron, to decide what is clean and unclean and then tell the people to live a certain way. I think that absolutely holiness means that we've got to distinguish between clean and unclean. And let's face it, I mean, come on. Uh, I, I can say this somewhat as a blanket statement. I'm sure that there's people that this might not apply to, but I would think that most people know what sin is, right? Mm-hmm. Tyler, you know right. what sin is. Yeah, I think I mean, at a, yeah. Yeah, at a yeah. base level. You got a pretty yeah. good grip on what is right yeah. and wrong, don't mm-hmm. you? Jamie, you got a pretty yeah. good understanding of right and wrong. I think I do. Right? And yeah. I, I would say... <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping sure for more I, confidence I'm sure that I do. <laughs> I'm positive. Like, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I'm positive that you both do. I know I do. Yeah. So then why do we sin? Well, we mm. sin because we choose to, right? And right. I think most people know what is right and wrong. Not everybody. There's always going to be exceptions. You're but right. I think there are those clear-cut yeah. things that are like... Yeah. I know lying in this situation is wrong, yeah. but I'm yeah. going to do it to save my skin. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm saying that whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, people know right and wrong. For the most, once again, for the most part, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. people know what right and wrong is. And so we got to distinguish that. And finally, the fourth thing, which I think is so critical when it comes to holiness, is that holiness by definition means that I'm set apart. Mm-hmm. God wanted to set apart his people. You start to see this in Leviticus. You see this in the in you know the first five books where God's calling people. He's calling a nation. He's setting them apart. And as Christians today, we we have been set apart by Him. We've been bought by Him, basically by the blood of Christ has purchased us and has set us apart. We're no longer the same as we used to be. Uh, Titus chapter two. I'm going to wrap this up uh, with this with this verse here in Titus chapter two, verse eleven to fourteen. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And now watch what this does, because this is still in line with holiness. 
training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. My goodness, what would happen in our Mm. culture if we just did that? Mm. Like just that alone. I mean, think about what would happen in marriages once again, or in schools or in workplaces, Mm -hmm. around the triangle, if people would just renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and stop trying to define it. It's already been defined. It's, Mm -hmm. It's already there. Ungodliness in the Bible is already defined. Trust me, God spends a lot of time in Scripture listing out all the all the things that are wrong and sinful and bad. If we just follow that and we just set aside the worldly passions that really don't lead to anything and really focus on living self-controlled life. So I think that if you want to define holiness real quickly as we wrap it up, uh, holiness is living a self-controlled life. It's living an upright and godly life. And I like how he says it, in this present age. That's, to me is what holiness really, truly is all about. Yeah. Well, I'm thankful, Andy, for you and a lot of other pastors that have been preaching through this Bible, not shying away from Leviticus and Mm. really walking through that. I know it's been transformative for me and a lot of people that I've been talking to. Absolutely. And and I'm excited too, honestly, to have our special guest with us here. Right after the break, we're going to be talking to Brooke Powers and you, you want to talk about transformation and and how to live life a certain way. So here's what's here's the beautiful tie-in in this is we just got talk got done talking about what holiness is and transformation is. And here's Brooke Powers and her her and her organization centerpiece that are trying to transform marriages by helping marriages understand that there's a godly way to have a marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Once awesome. again, it's already defined. It's already defined. If we just follow it, then we should, hopefully, and we're going to talk to the expert here in a minute. Well, anyways, we're going to be taking a quick break, and we're going to come out of the break talking to Brooke Powers from Centerpiece, but here is a quick word from our sponsor. Perhaps you've asked yourself this question, are you running the business or is the business running you? How might your teams grow if your teams were driving the business forward instead of you? You are sitting on a wealth of untapped opportunity. It takes courage to learn how to create a culture where your people are truly empowered to own their seats. My name's Cheryl Scanlon, business and executive coach. Working together, we'll go straight to your core challenges to sort through competing demands and realign to your highest priorities for measurable results. Visit c3advantage.net. That's c3advantage.net. All right, everybody. Well, we are back from the break, and we have got the one and only Brooke Powers with us. How are you doing, Brooke? I'm doing great, Andy. Thank you so much for having me here. We are so excited to have you here on the show, especially uh, when we started off the show talking about marriage. This is what we're going to talk about today, and and you are the expert in marriage. Oh, well, I would not say that <laughs> by any means. And I know Jeremiah, my husband of 17 years, would not say that. So, well, he, he, For his sake, he better say that you are. That's the thing. So we, we were talking a little bit before we went on the air about how long everybody's been married around the table. I thought that was a good thing. So how long have you been married, Brooke? So 17 years. Um, it'll be 18 this May. 17 going on 18 in Tyler. Wow. Uh, it'll be seven years in April. Seven years in April. Mm-hmm. And Jamie? 18 years. 18 years for you and yeah. 25 for Stacy and I. Man. It's a long time. We were saying it is a weird space to hit in life when you have been married longer than you were single. That is, that is I remember we had that conversation going, that's, that's a weird place to be. Yeah. Of like, wow, we, we've been together married longer than we were single. So mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome. So Brooke, you are here because you have got a fantastic organization called Your Centerpiece. Yes. And so let's talk about that for a few minutes. Tell everybody what it is, what you do, the vision behind it, the mission behind it. Yeah, well, thanks. Um, Your Centerpiece is an educational nonprofit 
And our mission is to proactively build solid marriages. And how we do that is we actually advertise at these huge bridal shows. There's hundreds of vendors there all about helping people prepare for their dream wedding. Well, nobody's there to help them prepare for a forever marriage. And so that's kind of how we uniquely positioned ourselves there to really impart on the couple's the idea of preparing. So what we do is we work with couples, couple to couple. So we train up marriage mentor couples, match them with a couple that is thinking about getting married, engaged, or even in their first few years of marriage and just never had uh, mentoring or pre-marriage preparation. And we walk them through a curriculum. And the curriculum is Symbus, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. Mm -hmm. It's the number one pre-marriage curriculum on the market designed by Drs. Les and Leslie Pear out in Seattle. And we just have a blast working with these couples and preparing them for the journey of marriage. Because all of us around the table, we know it's a journey. It's got seasons. Mm -hmm. Some are great. Some of them are tough. Mm -hmm. But having some tools and another couple cheering you on can make all the difference in those tough times. Absolutely. So what, what are some of the biggest conversations that you have found that are so needed for a, an engaged couple? Meaning, you know, one of the things I love to do is, is marry people as a pastor. I love to be able to do this. One of the highlights of my being a pastor, and it's always fun having premarital counseling because you're sitting with this couple that think everything's amazing and it's going to be awesome. And it is hopefully going to be amazing and awesome until you start talking about well, who's going to do the finances in your relationship. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, we didn't think about that. How many kids are you going to have? We didn't think about that. You know, what are you going to do at Christmas time when you got your your family traditions and your family? How is that going to work? So <laughs> what are some of the uh, kind of the pitfalls you guys try to catch before people get married to identify, to help them with? What are some of those areas? Yeah. So the assessment that we use is 300 questions and it comes out in a 15 page report that's totally unique to the individuals who took the survey and they take it separately. The report comes Mm -hmm. together. Um, In that we talk about personalities, how they mesh or if they're like Jeremiah and I, (laughs) they're on the opposite side of the personality Uh wheel and how that dynamic can play out. We also talk about chores, which is a hot topic, how money was handled. What what do you mean by chores? You mean like Who's going to do Who's laundry, do the dishes? What what, what, what were stuff? the roles in the household that you grew up Ooh. in? Um, yeah. What your expectations are? Because mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest things <laughs> in that first year of marriage. You all remember that? Like, oh, yeah. That, like, wait, this is not what I thought yeah. it was going to be. My mom's not going to do my laundry for me? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? Who's going to do my laundry? Yeah. 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 So we, we have that conversation. We talk about money. We talk about intimacy. Mm-hmm. We talk about hot topics that they've already identified in right. their dating relationship and how they're addressing those. Yeah. And even communication habits, like right. how they want to communicate and how some barriers that they have to good communication, like devices, yeah, and help them with some tips on how to have um, real intimate dialogue. Right. So you've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but why why is what you do so important? So I'm a stats person. Excellent. So I'm going to throw out some numbers. Hopefully, I won't bore you. But um, this day and age, millennials are the biggest demographic that are getting married, and right. they're like 34 to 24. 60% of them didn't have mom and dad at home. Wow. But yet, wow. yeah, 84% of them still mm. want to get married, but they've never had an example mm-hmm. of marriage. So 
Hmm. Here they are. They want this thing, but they don't really know how to do it. And we see culturally in the United States about 50% of marriages failing. So you have this rising demographic that wants to do marriage. They, they want it. They're hungry for education, but they've never seen it done. Right. So the opportunity for all of us to mentor the next generation as marriage mentors is huge because yeah. they're hungry for information. They don't know how to do it, but they want to do it right. Right. And um, that's why we are at these shows just pressing on them in a gentle sort of way <laughs> the importance yeah. because without marriage mentoring, it's a 50% chance that you're going to make it as a yeah. couple. With eight hours of pre-marriage prep, you go from 50% to 81%. Wow. 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 That's a huge jump. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're right. I didn't think about that. They don't really see it modeled. The majority of millennials come from broken homes. Yes. So they don't see what a healthy marriage looks like. Right. So who then is telling them what marriage looks like? Right. It's culture. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's it's TV. Mm -hmm. It's movies. It's other people. It's people that aren't getting married. They decide to live together, and mm -hmm. you know people think that that's normal. And so now you guys have the opportunity to jump in. So with that, do you have a, a story that you can share? I'm sure you got a ton of stories. But is there one that you can share with us? Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, my personal story, Jeremiah and I didn't have pre-marriage preparation. We, we loved each other. We got married up in Michigan, moved right away down here for work. And my parents had both been married before they married each other. Um, his parents are high school sweethearts. We had very different upbringings. And so nine months into the marriage, like we just could not communicate. And so I said, yeah, I just clearly married the wrong guy. Mm. Right? It can't be me. It's got to be him. <laughs> That's right. It's always the other person. <laughs> I have a lot of compassion for people in that space. Um, but it was through education, really, that we came together as a couple. And in fact, Right here at Crossroads, we, mm -hmm. we participated in the young couples classes and learned so much through counseling here and through the classes. So I feel like that's really why God pressed this nonprofit on my heart to get this started. But then we have our, our client stories, too, where we, we have couples that have been dating for five years, and um, they're very satisfied and content with that relationship. And um, one couple comes to mind, a uh, really sweet couple. He is special forces with the army, really likes to prepare, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he's got a plan, he prepares and he knew he wanted to get married eventually, but just wasn't quite sure if that was the right time. And so he and Mary Beth decided to come through our program and in the third meeting, uh, he proposed to her. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. In, in the actual meeting? <laughs> I think it was right after oh, the meeting, boy. but they've got pictures of everything. It was mm. really sweet. And now it's so cool because she's so on fire for the program. She um, is a counselor and she has some of her clients and refers them to us, but she's also now on her board of directors and in our programming committee because she believes in what we're doing yeah. and the process. Um, they're Catholic, so. So they were able to do the pre-cana through their church, but they couldn't start until they got engaged. Uh -huh. And she really wanted that on the front end as soon as possible yeah. to, to prepare. 
That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And so how does it work? So if a couple comes in, uh, you have marriage mentors, what's the process for them to become a marriage mentor to kind of qualify them to be able to do this? Okay. So we put our, our marriage mentors through quite the process. So they have their initial application form. We get reference letters from them, from either their children or their pastor or somebody in their community. So they come in uh, referred. Then they start our training process. They go through a two-hour counseling visit with one of our counselors, and our counselors um, create a summary for us. So our program's only as strong as our mentors, so we're very thorough. They end up going through 15 hours of training um, in order to become marriage mentors. That is that's very strong and powerful. So that when when a couple comes, they know that they're sitting across with somebody that not only they are married and have their own experiences to bring to the table, but they've been through fifteen hours yes. of training, which is wonderful. Yes. So you're also a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and so how can people support you? Get more information. How can somebody say, "Hey, my wife and I would love to be part of that"? How can they get a hold of you? And what are some of the next steps? Yeah, we we are a volunteer run really organization. We have over 200 volunteers um, here in the Triangle. Worked in five different countries last year over Skype doing oh, wow. mentoring really? over Skype wow. even. You so, say five other countries? Yes. Wonderful. Yes. So it was very How exciting. How wonderful is that? Yeah. So um, people can get involved in, in many ways. So we are always looking for marriage mentors. I mentioned, you mentioned it, it is quite the process, um, but we're also looking for people to help us with these bridal shows and events that we do because we do several events throughout the year yeah. and just having extra hands to help us with events and people have the gift of hosting. We really appreciate that. And then we also have uh, opportunities for people who like to do research because we're looking for new articles and things sure. to push out. Um, to encourage marriages. And that is a big part of what we do is an educational nonprofit. We have our social media with Facebook, Instagram, and we do webinars monthly where we're sharing information for in-home marriage enrichment. So what's the easiest way for somebody to get a hold of you? Yeah, so info at yourcenterpeace.org and peace like the state of mind. Brooke Powers with Your Centerpiece. And for more information, go to info at yourcenterpiece.org. Thank you so much, Brooke, for what you do. And thank you for coming in. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for joining and listening to our program today. And thank you to Crossroads Fellowship and the Truth Network for making this show possible. You can find out more information about Crossroads Fellowship at crossroads.org. If this show has impacted you, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at crossroads.org. Thank you to C3 Advantage for sponsoring this program. We look forward to having you join us on the next show. Your success as a leader hinges upon buy-in from your teams, clear and consistent communication from you, and strategic delegation. My name's Cheryl Scanlon. C3 Advantage helps you steward your most valuable resource well, improve retention, grow employee engagement, and generate higher team and individual ownership. The success of your organization begins with you and depends on your team. Go deeper as a leader and watch your organization go further. Visit c3advantage.net at c3advantage.net.